Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Father, I thank you for this word, and I thank you that your love is pursuing us. Thank you for the prophet Stevie Wonder and John P. Key who did a song, Love is in Need of Love today. And Father, I give you praise that even now we're building our love house in America that's been torn down and we're building up our faith. We're building the kingdom. We're building our community. We're building a consensus that you're God and you're king and that love conquers all. Help me to articulate the blueprint for building and help me to share with your people the word that would lift us up. Father, I give you praise for giving us the building material and the know-how, but thank you for the blueprint. Thank you for the design. And God, we give you the praise as we build together that we will create synergy and a oneness in the house of God. Let every home, every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl understand that we're vital to this process. For where there is no vision, hallelujah, the people perish. But when there is vision, Father, the people thrive. The people are elevated to thrones and dominions in Christ. And I give you praise for that. I thank you for the rise of the kingdom. I thank you, Lord God, for changing lives and reforming minds that we might transform our communities and advance the kingdom of God. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I love Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 after coming out of the water. Uh, Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter, I believe it's chapter 3. And in chapter 4, the Bible says he begins to move in a different manner. He leaves his hometown and he begins to dwell in Capernaum, which became his headquarters. From Capernaum, he would go to the Sea of Galilee. From Capernaum, he would travel to different areas uh, in Israel, whether it's Jericho, or whether it's Mount Zion or the mountains of Naphtali and Zebulun. I had a chance to visit these places uh, over 21 years ago. I was fascinated with the mountains of Naphtali, one of the sons of Jacob. And he was given that territory under the leadership of Joshua uh, to occupy. And it's a great property. It's a great piece of land. The whole tribe of Naphtali occupied in those hills. And from it, you can look over and see other nations. It's a great spot to have outposts, a great spot to spy, and to look at any nation that would arise, any nation that would come forth, any nation that would try to seize Israel, to try to attack them off guard. And I really appreciate that visitation there I had a chance to see Jericho. It's the same place where Jesus was tempted of the enemy. 
where the walls came down. We like to look at uh, the scripture where it says, and Jesus was, was driven into the wilderness and there the Satan tempted him after being hungry or fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights he was hungry and the enemy came to him and said, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. The territory that that was in is the same ter territory that the walls of Jericho came down. That's where people attempted the place where walls came down, where you're most vulnerable. And it's important, those areas don't ever, ever get lax just because it's a place of victory. One year doesn't mean the enemy won't come back to mess you up a year later. And so God wants us to understand that Jesus then travels to the mountains of Naphtali and to Zebulun. And here he fulfills a prophecy that he didn't just come to the Jews alone, but he came to the Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles. He had his heart on people that weren't Jews, their ethnicity had nothing to do with the Jewish state, but he so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And during this time, we need to preach the gospel. I want to encourage uh, pastors and leaders that during this time, I thank you for marching and that's good. But also let's tell people what the truth is. We got to come to a, not just we're going to get America straight. America will never get straight without, without coming back to our Christian values. And we need to preach and teach the gospel and demonstrate the love of God. If the church really showed the love, racism couldn't thrive. And so in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the, of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness, this is a Bible prophecy, has seen a great light. What is the great light? It is that Christ has come. That Christ, the remedy for all sin, Christ, the God-like one, Christ, the image of God, the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person has come. The people who sat in darkness has seen this great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has come. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, the region and the shadow of death, there's darkness and death and threats all around me. The remedy is that the light has dawned. That there's a light in the midst of this valley. Because even if you take my life here, I have a home, glory to God, and a building not made with hands. I will be with my Lord. And that's the comfort that we have, that our life extends beyond this life. And every man must come to that understanding that life must extend beyond this life. Richard, is that you? You're back in service again after that serious situation with your daughter. I applaud you. I applaud you. Light has come, Richard. You're displaying to the world exactly what we need to do when we go through trials. I applaud your strength. We're looking for miracles all around, but miracles are right before our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is the gateway into kingdom dynamics. Not marching alone. Not having social justice alone. 
but the entire country needs to repent. Racists need to repent. Those who are expressing extreme anger need to repent. Slave masters need to repent. And those who are bitter because of slavery need to repent. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And when we do, black men, white men, rich and poor, God will have mercy on us all. We must build the kingdom of God. The purpose of this message is to teach us ways to use our time, our talents, and our possessions to support building the kingdom of God. Notice God wants you to, you to use your time, your talents, and your resources or your possessions to support the building of God's kingdom. Everyone is blessed with time, so use it wisely. Every single one of us has a talent. He didn't make you without one. Use it to build God's kingdom. And every single one has possessions. Even if it's a dime, use a portion of it to help God build the kingdom. Our Heavenly Father has blessed each of us with time, talents, and possessions. He wants us to use these, I call them gifts, to further the work of the church, the cultural mandate to spread the gospel. For those who sat in darkness has witnessed the dawning of a new light, a dawning of a day, a new day in Christ. All of us are needed to lead. All of us are needed to teach. All of us are needed to support and to participate. Let me say that again. All of us need to lead. I think I heard The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, ask for leadership. Where are you? He said, where are you? The nation needs you to lead us. Then he says, if we don't find the leadership in those that should lead, then you become the leader. I agree with that. All of us need to lead. All of us need to teach somebody. We teach you in the ministry that if you're senior, you need to have a child to raise or to mentor. If you're a sister, you need a sister that you build up. You never tear down your sister. If you're a man, you never tear down your brother. Regardless of his race, color, or creed, you never tear him down. You're always building. We should be in the teaching mode. Even your mistakes should be a platform to teach people what to do and what not to do. We should all support not everything, but essential things. I can't support everything. In the last week or so, after the death of George uh, Floyd, I've been asked by at least 13 different agencies to march with them. And there's no way that I can march with all of them. But there are people who are reaching out to me to say, Bishop, we would like for you to be with us. We want to show your community that we care and I have to be selective with who I get with because I want to make sure that you're not just doing it because you don't like what happened to George Floyd but you're really not about equality I want to make sure that we move beyond this and really see that the nation has missed it for hundreds of years and if we're going to make change there has to be some real real dialogue not just I feel sorry for you but I'm really believing that God wants us to change our ways.
And so I'm being very selective. There's a lot of people that have no affirmation. So anybody given the first bit of affirmation, they feel like they need to run with it. We need to be very, very wise in how we move here because I'm looking at the end game and it takes a long time. Anything that comes real quick is not of God. Anything, listen to me, that comes very fast for you is not of God. He's not about it. If you get in stocks, you're not going to make billions of dollars overnight. If you make billions of dollars in stock overnight, it's probably a scheme. You want to make sure the Bible says that those who gain wealth gain it over time. Well, I'm going to preach myself happy. Thank God for the, uh, the pandemic because it is gi giving me uh, an understanding about the crutches that I used to have. I used to preach with crutches. Come on, say amen. <laughs> I'm preaching better than you. I still say it, but I don't have the crutches anymore. I can preach in silence. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And so we all need to understand that God wants us to be very selective and wise during this time. Very wise and selective during this time. He's given us all gifts. He wants us to further those gifts in leading and teaching and supporting and participating. I used to say it years ago, participate, participate. Let me add something to it. Participate, participate. By using our time, talents, and possessions freely and willingly, we can help spread the gospel and build the kingdom of God. Right now, it's a good time to get the strategy, the designer's blueprint for building. Blueprints are much more detailed drawings than just plans or simple floor plans if you're building a house. Blueprints are the exact details, the exact detail drawings, scale drawings of plans of a home, a building, or a structure. I'm not an architect, but I do study it. And I understand building because the same process is in building anything. And just like you would build a house, you can build a life. There are certain things you need and certain things you need to understand about it. And so you need a blueprint because it has way more details in it than just the basic floor plan. And some people try to build a house with the basic floor plan and they don't really study the details. There's a lot of men and they get a, a new game or a new uh, a, a, a new piece of furniture that you have to assemble. They don't look at the instruction. They just start putting it together. A lot of men do that. The key is take about 15 minutes and look at the instructions of doing it. And from that, you start moving, you move more efficiently. Because usually the instructions, everything that you're going to go through is right there. Everything you need. You may have a few times where you have to do some Google stuff and you got to go to YouTube to find out. But if you just read the blueprint, just get the blueprint for it. You, you won't waste a lot of time. And I've wasted a lot of time just trying to be manly about building stuff. I remember years ago, we had a platform back here and it was a, a stage. We got rid of it. It was too cumbersome. It was, it was, it was too much uh, stuff on the stage. We, we, we got rid of it. And if you were standing back there, you would be standing a little higher if you were singer. And we had to tear it down to put carpet up here. 
And so when we were trying to put the stage back up, it was hard and it was heavy. And so every time we made a mistake, the guys had to pick it up and tote it over here and then pick up that piece and put it over there and they were getting tired. And it was a female says, you know what, I think we need to uh, put this one here and put that one there. And, put, and one of the guys was like, well, you haven't moved anything. Who are you? She says, I'm an engineer. That's who I am. I know the blueprint. And I'm telling you, it goes here and goes there and this and that and that and this, right? But it was hard for some of the guys to listen to her. Because <laughs> they just said, well, you're not moving anything. She knew the blueprint. And guess what? When we obeyed her, we put it together. I want to listen to the person who has the blueprint, not the one who has uh, the hair on the chest or the muscles. I need the one who has the blueprint before I move. And I'm not really, I don't care about what color they are. I don't care about what sex they are. I just want them to know what they're doing because I'm tired of wasting time. And if we're going to build the kingdom, let's get the blueprint now before we move forward. One of the things the blueprint is going to do, it's, it's the, the, the designer wants you to have immediate delivery. He don't want you to have delays. The designer understands timelines. And you can waste a year trying to put things together when it only should take you a few days. So the designer wants to get this product out immediately. So let's follow instruction. Another thing the designer is really, really keen in, the designer of the blueprint understands design and flexibility. That one day when you enter into the structure that you're building, you want to be able to enter into it. If you're building a house, you want to be able to enter into it. Some people build a house because they know someone else is going to enter into it. So they put in all of the inferior materials. But if you're going to live in the house, you want the best, right? You want best in it, right? You want the best in it. You don't want, you don't want uh, wood in it that's already been eaten up by termites. You want the best, you know? You want the kind of wood that's, that's prime. You want the wood that's been treated. That's going to last for some time. Especially if it's over your head and there's a roof over your head. You don't want it to cave in on you. You want the inspector to be able to give you a thumbs up when they come through. And so we want to make sure that even if there's a membrane that we're putting in it, we want the design to be flexible and strong. We want the design to be able to weather any storm. We want it to be a weatherproof house. Another thing the designer does when he puts things together, he thinks about performance and durability. Performance and durability. If a designer is building a car, he wants you to think about performance and durability. The first time you go around a curve or you hit the brakes, he don't want the whole car to just dismantle. I love driving my car because when I need to punch it, it takes off. I said when I need to punch it, the horsepowers take off. And I love that when I'm in traffic and I need to move from 40 to 70, I don't have to wait for a long time. When I, when I need to move from 40 to 70, it's like this. Zoop. <laughs> Because the performance mean a lot to me. And then durability. That's why I put the highest octane in it. I put the high test in it. 
And then another thing the designer does, he always thinks about high efficiency. High efficiency, which means you get better quality with less money. Less money spent. Better quality without spending as much. Over the last few years, there's been a change. There's been a change with regular light bulbs to LED lights. And everybody's moving to LED. You know why? Because it gives you a brighter shine and it saves on your electric bill. And this is where what we need to start thinking about. Some of us are old school when we need to be LED. We need to be able to shine brighter and give more luminosity without leaking and losing all of our substance. Or just because we give ourselves over to a cause, it doesn't mean that we walk home totally depleted. God is packing into us everything we need and he's given us everything we need to be high octane and high, highly efficient as we move forward. And so even now, I'm shifting into my senior years. I'm shifting into my senior When you get over 50, you're starting to shift into your senior years. And I, I need to be more efficient. I used to be able to preach all day and uh, work all night and other things and still have strength. But I can't do that now. I need to pace myself. So I need to be highly efficient. Well, God is concerned about that when he develops a plan for his people. Let's talk about the master builder's anointing. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Corinthians where Paul talks about being a wise master builder. As Christian disciples of Jesus, we're supposed to help in building the kingdom. Building up the kingdom, not tearing it down. And if you uh, criticize what you're trying to build, you become a transgressor. And so there are five areas that I want to give you that I believe the wise master builder anointing, the master builder's anointing is going to help you to become more efficient in it. It's going to help you to become uh, performance oriented and give you more durability. As you move in these five things, you're going to see the designer's flexibility in your structure you're also going to see immediate delivery which means you'll be able to get a product out and people can trust it number one god wants you and i to build according to the pattern to make sure we're building up the kingdom in our own lives so before you start dealing with other people, before we start dealing with the society, make sure you're right. There's a lot of people getting up in the face of um, the Coast Guard. I'm sorry, the National Guard. I see a lot of people. I saw a girl telling the National Guard, you know, come on and march with us. You need to march with us. It'll show the world that we're on the same page. She doesn't understand that their orders won't come from you. <laughs> they get their orders. <laughs> they get their orders from a whole different world. They can never march with you. They may get thrown in the jail for marching with you. But they can adopt your codes. She doesn't understand. And so you need to know something. Before you get them to march with you, can you march with yourself? 
How is your own life measuring up to God's standard? Right now, everybody's pointing their finger at people or a set group or say law enforcement. But many of us don't abide by the law ourselves. And we need to start looking at how we develop ourselves. Before there was ever a federal government, there was what we call self-government. God told Adam, I need you to go into that garden and I need you to dress and keep it. In other words, I'm giving you a command and I need you to govern yourself. Then he says, and there's of every tree you will eat except the tree that's in the midst. For the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Self-government, no federal government. How do you deal with self-government? Self-government would say, just because nobody's watching uh, doesn't mean I have a license to kick in this door and steal. I'll get away with it. Nobody will catch me. We're wearing masks. Self-government says, I understand the law and I can control my nature. I ain't getting no help. And there's a lot of believers that we need to start looking at. If we're going to build up anything in life, we need to learn how to build ourselves. So we need to strive to set a holy example in our own families, in front of our friends, and even our associates. Strive to set a holy example to your family, to your friends. And to your associates. Richard shared with me that that's what he tried to do with his family. And that is to set an example for his daughters. To always show them the right temperament that a man should have when he's dealing with his family. He's not trying to fix the neighbor's house and his house is in shambles. And we have a lot of people like that pointing at neighbors. Look at your children. But never ever allowing our kids to be exposed. And before you point at mine, make sure you have yours together. There's a whole lot of people. They're actually quarterbacking from last week's game. Backseat drivers. Take care of your family. Be an example to your family and your friends. If you want to change America, start with your family. Teach your children that racism is wrong. Teach them. Don't because you know what? Racism, racism is really taught and caught. Nobody is born a racist. <laughs> Nobody is born with a hood on their head. You have to put it on. You have to put it on. You have to put it on and hide from society. Amen. Glory to God. You have to put it on. You have to go to the meetings, you know. You got to listen to the jargon. And you adopt it. And it's easy to pour that poison in the children. So make sure you're doing the right things. I saw a, a video of a little girl just going around just hugging people. It just really touched me. Just hugging folk. Something in her said, give everybody a hug. You know, little children can teach us how to live. She, no one taught her that people are rapists and molesters and even though she needs to be cautious and the parent was there watching her and make sure that we guard that and we work with that. But her heart was pure. Let's give everybody a hug today.
The second thing you need to know about building your, if you're going to build the kingdom, you need to build up your own life. People notice whether or not you walk. The walk and talk the talk. They know. This is not talking about making a mistake here and there. We're talking about if you really believe what you believe, then do what you say you believe. Just do it. Practice it. Even though we come to church, say, twice a week, and I would recommend if you're going to grow spiritually, you need daily bread, and you should connect with your church at least once a week. We believe twice a week will help balance you out. Daily bread and connecting with your local church, getting under the word twice a week will help you to grow up in God. So people notice if you're walking the walk while talking the talk. I want to walk the walk and talk the talk. But I don't want my talk to be greater than my walk. I would encourage you and challenge you to balance out the two. That if I see you walking and I see you talking, they're on the same plane. It is actually a stepping stone to the next dimension. You can't grow spiritually until you balance that out. And it certainly shouldn't be a seesaw. The talk is up here and the walk way down there. Or the walk way up here and the talk down there. We need it to balance out. Here's another one. If you're going to build up your holy life, this is what the master does. This is the master, the wise master builder. He says we need to check whether or not your life measures up with scripture. Check whether or not your life measures up with scripture. Now there's a lot of people, their life measures up with society's norms. But does it measure up with scripture? Society may give you a thumbs up right now. If you start going off on the police and you're an 18 year old, society may give you a thumbs up. But is it godly? Is it godly to come against all authority? It is not godly. Actually, the Bible tells us to submit to authority. That God has put certain things in place, even though it may be wicked. And we're dealing with that. If you're a wicked cop, hey, you're going to get your neck broke. Because God is going to come down on you with the hammer. But you and I as citizens need to honor the police because all of them are not that way. And we need them in our society. Right now, they're talking about defunding the police. If you took police out of this city the first night, there's going to be pillaging and burning. Survival of the fittest. The ones that's the strongest will take it all. Well, I'm going to preach anyway. You think we got, you think we got people knocking down doors now. What do you think would happen if you got rid of the police? The lawless would rise. Murders would go off the Richter scale. Punish that man with his knee on the neck, glory to God, but don't punish everybody. And those of you that are part of the force, when you see that kind of stuff going on, you need to be the one speaking. All you have to do is walk over to him and say, you're going too far, Bill. That's too much, man. You wouldn't be in jail if you just walked over and said, you know what? You're not measuring up with scripture or with the code. We don't do this. No citizen should have to say it. Your comrades should say it. I don't need members to tell me I'm wrong. Other preachers should be able to tell me I'm wrong. 
Police should police policemen. Doctors should police doctors. And members of the church should police members of the church. You shouldn't have to call me and say, Bishop, sister, so-and-so is doing this. When you see it, now I'm preaching real good. If you're watching it, why are you calling me? If you're watching racism, why are you calling me? You need to deal with it and be able to take the, the, the fallout after it. Take the brunt when they go off on you and they don't speak to you no more. Take it when they owe you money and still walk past you. Or call people up and talk about you when they owe you money. Then you'll understand what it's like to stand in my shoes. Before you criticize me walking my moccasins. Policemen should police policemen. Doctors should police doctors. Preachers should police police uh, preachers. And members of the church should police members of the church. Here's another one. You need to start the moral code. Start by living with the moral code or start with the moral code to balance your life out. You know what the moral code is? It's the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. You want to find out how do I straighten out my life? Just say, okay, I'm going to live according to the moral code. When you find yourself imbalanced, straighten it out. It's right there in Exodus 20. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not. You just need to know those 20 things, those 10 things. Balance them out. Jesus gives us a small little concept of what that means. That all it means is to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's the moral code. Start right there. I don't know nothing about the Bible. Start right there. Here's another one. This is how you build your life. Before you try to build others. Access how the fruit of the spirit shows up in your life. How does the fruit of the spirit show up in your, show up in your life? Is it manifesting? Is it manifesting at all? Is there any patience? Any long suffering? Any faith? Any temperance? Any goodness? Showing up in your life? Do you have a prayer life at all? My prayer life is going to another level and I'm not bragging. But the Lord spoke to me and told me that he's given me a gate into the heavens and I'm using that gate. I'm accessing the presence of the Lord. I'm accessing the presence of the Lord. Come here, sister, and help me with this. Fold that up for me. I'm accessing the presence of the Lord and God is working with me. Do you have a prayer life or do you ask the intercessors to pray for you? I get a thousand uh, requests every year for people to pray to say, Bishop, pray for me. I want to ask you, though, do you ever pray yourself? I want you to think about the prayer power. Can you start with three minutes? We can all do that, right? But how many of us are doing three minutes a day? I've asked our church for years to pray for three minutes, not 30 minutes, three minutes. Start with three minutes and remain consistent. I'm going to be talking about the power of consistency at 11 o'clock today. Do you study the scriptures at all? You take a moment and just read the scriptures. I try to go through the Bible once a year, at least once a year. I'm on my second time around this year for some reason. 
Do you study the scriptures? Do you just take a chapter and try to understand it, running references to get an understanding of it? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, if you don't sit down at the dinner table of studying the scriptures, you'll never get your daily bread. He prepares the table before you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, you're going through conflicts and issues, but you must sit down at the table to eat it. We'll write it down. The world is watching us. Have you noticed that people are pulling out cell phones and taking videos of everything now? This is what they're doing. While protest was going on, I saw people walking around. I'm talking about thousands holding up cell phones, taking video. When people are marching right now, they're taking video. I want you to see what I'm doing. I'm marching. I want the world to see what I'm doing. That's what's happening around the country. And I'm not saying it's bad, but people are watching you. That cop would not have been in jail if there was no video. He did it, but he would have gotten away. The same with those things, those two guys in South Georgia who killed that young man. They went home. They were eating barbecue. Like so many other thousands have done for 400 years. Kill a man and go to sleep at night. Put your knee on a man's neck when he's screaming for his life and calling for his mama and you just as cool. The world is up outraged, but what about the voice of the unheard? What about the ones that never ever were able to scream? What about the ones who screamed and we never saw it? We just got the report they were killed because they were resisting. They attacked the cops. For real? The video speaks loud. People are watching us, not just with their eyes. They're able to capture our movements and project it to the world now. Be very careful with your movements. Not only should we look into our own lives, that's number one, but number two, we need to look into our homes. Build up your home, your home. Who are you at home? This is the designer's blueprint. Does your own family see you living up to the standards of Christian, a Christian disciple? Because my daughter sees me every day, she sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when I'm wrong, I'll say to her, I was a little, I was a little, I was a little uh, out of bounds here with the things that I was saying the other day, and I ask you to forgive me. I've done that many times in my home. Have you ever done it? Have you ever asked your own children to forgive you, or are you perfect? Do you see yourself perfect in their eyes? I guarantee you, if you ask them, they're going to tell you, no, oh, it's you. Daddy ain't perfect. <laughs> no, no. Mama sure isn't. I guarantee you they may have a different viewpoint. So what we have to do is be honest. When I miss it, I confess it. So who are you at home? Does your family see you living up to the standards of Christian discipleship? When you miss the mark, all you have to do is say, I'm sorry. Sorry. 
My daughter is 18. She'll be 19 this year. And uh, she uh, prepared a meal the other night. The whole thing. Uh, the beans. Um, the uh, Fredicini Alfredo chicken. And the mashed potatoes. And then she served us. That means she set my plate, set her mom's plate, and set grandma's plate. Then she set her plate last. And I remember Miss Barbette when she was a little girl in your daycare. And I'm watching her burn in the kitchen. And she didn't uh, burn the food up either. It was good. When I finished the meal, I was listening to John P. Key, Love Needs Love. Love is in need of love today. And she said, Daddy, did you see the card that I got, Mama? I said, no. And so since she was a little girl, anytime I get a gift or anything like that, I always allow her to open my cards. So I said, uh, open it up and read it to me. And so she read it to me, and it brought tears to my eyes. I said, did you pick that out? She said, yes, sir. I said, how did you pick it out? She said, well, I looked at several until I ran on this one. And I said, this is it. So I saw the growth pattern in the girl. And it brought tears in my eyes because I thought about you, Richard. And I say that to you because I love you. That the extraction of your daughter out of this world has nothing to do with your fatherhood. That's in God's hands. I want to be the one to say to you publicly, you've done a good job. You fought a good fight. Amen. And you finished the course with her. Because life is in his hands. And I want you to be encouraged. And I thank you for allowing me to talk about my family even though yours has a deficit. It takes a lot of strength to do that. But it's a part of your Christian character. Because anytime there's an extraction, what we have to do is strengthen what remains. Suffer with me. Let's strengthen what remains. Whether you're a child or a parent, your family should see you sitting and setting the example. Whether you're a child or parent, you need to set the table as it relates to being a Christian example to others. Demonstrating Christian values in your own home. Being considerate one with another. Stop isolating yourself. Come out and speak. Show respect to the elderly. Help them along the way. Not only should we deal with our own lives and in our own homes should we build as wise master builders, but we need to do it on our jobs. The economy is opening up. We're going back to work. I recall a soldier walking up to me that, that served in the Persian Gulf. He noticed that I was a straight-laced 
preacher. He assumed that I was a preacher because of the way I was moving. He didn't see flaws at the moment. You must be a believer. Yes, I am. Thank God he caught me on a good day. Because he may have had a whole different mindset if he caught me on a different day. It really makes me understand that even when a person's at war, they're still watching. They're going through conflicts themselves, but they're still watching you. What do they see? What do they see when you're going through war? Do you lose it? What do they see when you're disappointed? Do they see strength and character? I said it earlier, people are taking camera photos and video shots more now than ever before. Your attitude, the placement of your knee, your facial expression, people at work, even in a wartime environment, notice your behavior. They pick up on whether or not you demonstrate Christian values. By the way you handle someone that's handcuffed, we can see that. But what about a person that can't speak like you? Their diction is off. Do you dominate? Or a person a little less educated, do you look down on them? Or a person of a different race, do you automatically see a problem? I was invited to do a funeral of one of our members, and she happened to be Caucasian. Her sister and her infant was burned in a fire, and they asked me to come. I show up in a suit. When I opened the door, they had the door closed. I knocked on the door. They asked me, why are you here? Shut the door. Well, I was probably the best dressed there. So what, what would make you shut the door? You decide. I knocked on the door again. I understand this. I've done this many times. The funeral director asked me, what am I doing there? I said, well, I was asked to do the eulogy here. You? You sure you're in the right spot? I think I am. Why don't you ask Miss so-and-so-and-so? She invited me. Oh. The member comes out. What are you doing? This is my bishop, my pastor. He looks at her, looks at me, looks at her. I say to her, do you understand now? You understand now? You understand why I go off, why I do what I do? If you stood in my moccasins, you'll understand. America has to change some shoes now. Begin to understand now? It took George Floyd's death. Martin didn't get it there. Malcolm X. 
You want me to keep going? These things have been happening since slave came to Virginia. And it needs to stop. We don't want to be given a free pass. If we do wrong, take us to jail. Just don't execute us on the street corner. Give us due process. Just like everybody else. Just like you did for Dylan Roof. Who shot up nine in the church. Nobody took him to the ground. Nobody put their knee on his neck. They even took him to Burger King. This is in your world. I'm not asking you to put him down. I'm not asking you to choke him out. Give him due process. Do the same for the Africans. Your customers, your clients, your co-workers, your superiors, your supervisors. How do they see you? How do you act around them? When you're given a task, do you act up? Do you say, this is not me, it's beneath me? Or do you do your job? We need to walk the walk and talk the talk. In your community, we often talk about outreach. But we need to outreach even more. Undertake annual projects around holidays. A few years ago, we did what we call Feed My Sheep, and we also, um, a taste, what do we call that? Not the taste of the diaspora, when we were feeding everybody every quarter. Pot of love? A pot of love, yes. And God spoke to me that year and said, I want you to feed the community. And we opened up a tent and fed the community, did what he told us to do. Well, we need to continue that even after this pandemic is over and everything goes back to normal. We need to reach out to our community to help build it. And we need to build it with with a strong material. But also with Christian faith, with a life that backs up what we say, with our homes being strong and sure. We need to also reflect what we're doing on the job. Then when we move to the community, it will last. Perfect opportunity to do kingdom work. I want y'all to begin to pray that God bless me with a gospel tent. And a semi-truck to pull it. What did I say? I want a gospel tent. And a semi-truck to pull it. And I want to go from Gifford everywhere on the eastern seaboard and run uh, uh, crusades. Because I believe it's going to open up where we can do crusades, tent revivals again. And I want to play the cray two hours before and do some tailgating, food drives and clothing drives and work in that community for a few, few days. And then I want to open it up playing some, some Christian hip hop and attract the community. And then around about 20 minutes before, I want to start some prayer. And as the sun goes down, I want to open it up with some music and some worship. And let Sister Clark sing and let Angela sing and let Spencer sing and let Selena sing and all of the background singers and let the music play and don't let them get away. 
They'll be coming back to us again. Let the music play. And as they come into the gospel tent, then me and the rest of the evangelists in this ministry will be going to be going for the souls. That God loves you. This is a major community outreach, but I need a gospel tent. I need a stage, glory to God. I need lights. I need my own generators to make sure we don't have to depend on nobody else's lights. I need to go for the souls. I need to be able to win the loss at any cost. I need to be able to anoint oil. I need to cast out the devils. I need to be doing what God is telling us to do. We need to heal the sick and raise the dead. We need to get back in the community and let God be God and let every man be a liar. When we deal with the community, they're going to come to the church. And the church is the last thing we build. Not the first. Build your life. <coughs> build your family. Build your home. Do it on the job. Do it in your community. And then we gather at the church. Because the church is just a group of all of us that works on our families on our homes, on the job, and in the community. Every member of the church has at least one gift, and you need to exercise that gift here. For those of you that say, well, I'm teachers, and I don't like working with children at the church, you've had three months off. Three months, you didn't have to do a thing. I need you to come back ready with your sleeves rolled up and you need to get in the classroom with these kids and you need to have a lesson plan and you need to teach from the top to the bottom and you need to love them all. I need nursery workers. I need some nursery workers that love the Lord and love children. Don't pinch them. Don't pinch them and tell the parent they were just crying. I need you to love them. I need youth workers that love the ministry. I need people who are studying the word of God to work with our youth. I need radical for Christ units. I need people who are going to get with Pastor Dave and stay loyal to the teaching. Come back with your sleeves rolled up and ready to work. I need men to join the AIM group. I need you all over the world to become a participant with our AIM group on Facebook. If you don't have a Facebook account, open one up just to be a part of it. You haven't had to come to any men's groups. Where you at? I need you to get on board. I want all men on the face of the earth. I want LeBron James to join. I want Michael Jordan to join. I want that man down in Louisiana, the quarterback of the uh, New England Saints. I want him to join who went through his little fiasco this week and then shifted his, uh, his, his mindset. And even the president over the NFL had to come back and say, we were wrong with Colin Kaepernick and we're going to change our status here. I want him to join, everybody to join. Is his name Roger Liddell? Goodell? Can I keep preaching? Every man needs to join the men's group, and I need you all to help me go and get them. Thank you, God. I need, I need support groups. I need you to think about what you're doing for the Lord. I need warriors. 
I need people who can work and well and don't stop working. Don't ever stop building. Keep on building. God has given you a talent. You need to use that talent. God has given you insight. Use the insight. God has given you a profession. Bring a portion of it to the house of the Lord. God has given you an expertise in social work. You need to bring it to the house of God and stick with God. We got a lot of people want to start their own agencies, but you need inroads into the church so we can be the best that God has called us to be. This is what's wrong with our community. Every time the church starts growing, people walk by and see the cars. They call me. I want to start this business. I can get them this kind of money. I can do this and that. And they pull from the center. We need people that's bringing everybody to the center. Because when they see us growing, they want a portion of our money and a portion of our resources. And it doesn't come back into our community. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. And I have to guard the house like that. If you're in the house, you got to protect the house of God. And I need people to help us to do so. And if you do that, it'll help build the house of God. Remember the Great Commission as I close, and God will remember you. Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world, teach them to observe all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Jesus told his disciples before he lifted off of Mount, the Mount of Olives, he said, I need you to go and to teach all nations. Build the kingdom. And he's saying that to us today. Don't build you. Build the kingdom. In the process, if you build the kingdom, you can build the society. Because the remedy for all of this stuff and racism is the blood of Jesus and a knowledge of who Christ is. I'm telling you right now, you'll never eradicate racism in three areas until Jesus gets involved. Number one, you can't get racism out of history. It's embedded so deep. It's uh, uh, it's loud. Uh, 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 every century. Uh, it's right there. So look at history. That's why nobody wants you to know history. Because when you see history, you'll see it. And you'll see a line from that to this. And that's why God wants you to know history. Every white male of America needs to know American history and African history and every black male needs to know it. Every white female needs to know it. Every black female and all other ethnic groups. And when you see it, you'll see a trail. You'll see a line all the way to this present moment. That's why in America, anybody starts talking about history, even black people back up. Why are we talking about that? You're an American because they don't want you to know history. That's why if you read a book as a slave, you got beat. And even now, you don't want people to know history. It's okay to know physics, but not history. Second place, you'll never get uh, racism out of institutions unless we get God in it. Because the institutions, the companies, breathe with it. It's bred, it's malignant in, in institutions, like the penal system. Politics. I can keep going. Schools, even churches, were segregated at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings because racism is in it. 
The reason why the African-American Episcopal Church became African-American is because the Methodist Church blocked blacks from worshiping. You need to know history. It's even in the church. You read the scriptures. You saw what Jesus said. But you blocked black people. That's history. We forgive you, but we need to know it. When you look at the church and say, why won't all y'all just get together? Well, some doors were closed. And the third area you need to get is the power structure. Racism is in the power structure. It's hard for me to be a racist and act it out if I have no power. Who's running the corporations? Who's running the nation? Who's running the Congress? Who's running the judicial? Who's running, who's running attorney? Who owns, who owns these companies? Who's sitting there? Who are the CEOs? Almost 80, 85%. Look at it. The power structure has to change and you have to be able to call it out when you see it. And you'll help to build a company, help to build a society. To the white woman who sat in the chair when my wife got out, you should have been the one to say, we're not doing that today. Especially with this environment that we're in. Because it would have shifted the whole, the whole paradigm would have shifted. When you make moves, this is why America is really at a halt right now because you have white young people that are marching. Out on the beach, I got a report yesterday, more white people are marching down A1A than blacks. That's what's going to change it. It's not just black people screaming. We've been screaming since we got off the phone. Nobody's listening to me. So it has to be a young white male, a young white female, an older white male, an older white female that says enough is enough. When that happens, the world has to look now. And that's what God is causing to happen. Then you and I need to be able to preach the gospel. I appreciate you all helping me. Come on. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. We want to sustain this movement. We need to repent. Throw down your blunts. I said throw them down and come to Jesus. That's what we need to be preaching. Let's build the kingdom. Can the church say amen? Father, I thank you for this time and I give you praise for this moment. I thank you, Lord, for this time in our church history and around the world. I'm not polished enough to deal with these things, Father, but I'm, I'm here. I'm your son, and I'm doing what you called me to do. I pray that you would touch lives, that you would reform your people, and we will give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.